0: Hello and welcome to today's podcast, uh, the trading podcast that gives you uh, a lively run through of the markets, what to look out for and how to improve your trading. My name is Adrian Boothie. I've been trading the market since 2002 and I'm now Head of Trading here at Trendsignal. Today I'm joined with Trendsignal's Chief Market Analyst, uh, Jerry Miller. And what we're going to be looking at today is a great number of things. We're going to be taking a look at what's happened last week, how we could have traded it, what's happening for the week ahead, the major soundbites, the major items they're going to be influencing the market and how we should be positioned what i'm trading this week what are the key levels of support and resistance on the pound on the footsie on gold we're going to be looking at that and also in our defining trading section we're going to take a look at what initial margin is so for the new traders amongst us we're going to be getting into that delving into some of these um, definitions to help you become a more educated and better trader the overwhelming theme though today Big data out uh, uh, today already where we're talking about uh, another member of the MPC talking about potentially cutting interest rates and we're going to be talking about how the pound will be affected if the UK does go and cut interest rates as well. Uh, But first of all, let's get into what's happening with the markets. Okay, so um, let's kick off then. So in this section, we're going to take a look at what happened last week, uh, where the movement was, where the opportunities were. And I guess more importantly, how we could have known all about it uh, before the events. So, uh,
1: Jerry, what happened last week? Give us a run through. Uh, Interesting first week, full week back for the markets. As everyone knows, we had the uh, geopolitical grenade thrown in uh, the previous Friday when the US administration assassinated Soleimani, the uh, second-in-command, really, in Iran. Um, and it caused all sorts of issues. The markets obviously reacted really badly. And then last week, we had the revenge that eventually took place after Soleimani um, mm. sort of three-day funeral fest. Uh, and it just looked a bit stage-managed. So last Wednesday, or Tuesday night, they, they being the Iranians, attacked the Iraqi, uh, the, the U.S. bases in Iraq. And they didn't kill anyone they didn't destroy anything i mean i don't know what they did with their missiles but sounds a little bit weird doesn't it, it? i mean it, you would have thought that um
0: just for the you could have easily just got one american couldn't they so yeah, they just seemed a little bit stage managed well, as you
1: say yeah you know, i think someone tripped over and cut his leg or something running away <laughs> from a missile but i, mean, I think that, that was the worst of it um, and it just yeah. sounded sort of stage managed but, but I, I think in retrospect it was probably a wise move from the Iranian regime because all that would happen is they would have probably had some uh, Tomahawk cruise missiles coming back, not 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 Ukrainian passenger yet. So yeah, uh, it
0: could have got a bit bit serious very very quickly, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, it did. And and what's weird is that they created a lot of sort of nationalistic fervor on the back of the Suleimani sort of uh, funeral. But it was interesting. The markets reacted obviously negatively when the event was taking place. The uh, revenge attack in iraq but it was weird come so sort of wednesday afternoon trump just said hey everything's fine we're okay no one's died that's it well he effectively was saying the matter is closed and, the yes, and he was talking about them oh they've backed down we're like yeah well the, the iranians effectively backed down they didn't say they're backing down yeah but u.s um surveillance uh, said that uh, all of the uh, sort of missile commands etc had gone on back inside or whatever they do you know mm. and no longer on alert so it, it, it was an extraordinary sort of turnout. and of course, since then we've had this whole lies and deceit around the um, shooting down the Ukrainian passenger jet yeah, which is extraordinary. why they were letting jets take off from Tehran airport you know two hours after the potentially the start of the third world war is beyond me I mean, yeah. it's just bizarre yeah um, but anyway, so on the back of that. Obviously crude at one stage. I mean, it was sharply higher. U.K. oil sort of hitting 71 bucks. Uh, gold went up to 16,11. It was extraordinary moves, real ro- risk-off mode uh, where uh, safe haven assets, uh, etc, and, and, and commodities linked to the sort of Middle East all went hay while this mm. came off but then it all reversed on on Wednesday afternoon, it was extraordinary.
0: Yeah I mean we, we talked about in the definition last week we talked about risk on risk off and the, the way that portfolios can be repositioned but just quickly you mentioned UK oil so just for the benefit of our readers UK oil it's not really UK is it? No 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 they it's called UK oh, oil. That's on the name from the FXCM um, yeah, uh, instrument right, isn't it? Right. But we, Brent crude. We,
1: it's, Brent, it's Brent crude the two Benchmarks really, WTI or US oil. WTI stands for West Texas Intermediate. It's sort of lighter oil, and it's it's more of a domestic focused oil uh, in the US. Whereas Brent crude is the world benchmark. So anyone trading oil will refer to Brent crude generally. Uh, but uh, no oil had a, you know, it's come off pretty sharply uh, since then, and it continues to fall now. I mean, we're uh, got a long way all down from uh, those sort of uh, levels. I think. Uh, Fruits fallen, I don't know, is it sort of five, six bucks, something like that? It's um, it's quite a move. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, we, we, we talked last
0: week about the impact of you know, terrorist events and how they seem to be, um, sort of back in in the past, the last decade, maybe the decade before, huge impacts from any sort of hint of terrorism there might be. But the market seems to be a bit sort of
1: muted by those uh, sorts of events yeah, now. They're sort of becoming immune, I guess. I say immune to the extent that... The impact tends to have less of an enduring impact. So sometimes, you know, in days gone past when you had nine eleven, I mean, that was really extreme. Yeah. But then think about the bombs in London. You'd have four, eight, four yeah. to 800 point yeah. fall. Yeah. And bombs- that was from a much lower base as yeah. well, much lower yeah. price yeah. of the Do you remember indices? the bombs yeah. in Madrid as well? Yeah. But this this is this was literally over before the day had finished. But the funny thing about not
0: funny at all, but you'd often find that those uh, terrorist events, you'd see a massive sell-off for maybe twenty-four hours, mm. then the market would be straight back mm. where it was. After that, and I think people have just realised actually, what's in changed. The
1: grand scheme of things, it doesn't really mean a whole heap. No, that's right. What's changed in terms of that d- dynamics for the valuation of US companies? Not a lot. For UK companies, not yeah. a lot. And um, it's. That's the way it is these days.
0: So, I mean, one thing we've we've discussed, and I've heard a little bit about with the... You know, obviously it's the US presidential election um, coming up later this year, the end of, what's so in November, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do you think that... Uh, his decision-making to uh, assassinate Soleimani has got a little bit to do with that for Trump.
1: It's quite interesting I think the window of decision-making was about sort of quarter of an hour I mean the, 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 this convo is literally driving along the perimeter road at Tehran Airport so <laughs> Trump doesn't need a lot of time to think I'm not sure he thinks much anyway. He likes to shoot from the hip. He <laughs> shoot from the hip yeah. I think he's always felt that you know previous presidents have pulled their punches as it were and I know Bush was looking at assassinating uh, getting rid of Soleimani so he's the one that's done it and in a way the reaction has turned out very much in his favor so he's managed to get away with it in inverted commas uh, there's no war there's no escalation uh, and they know that he they just can't second guess him because he is a bit as you say shoots from the head you don't quite know what decision he's going to take next yeah so um, i don't think he'll have planned it that way trump he's not that switched on uh, but um, no, it's, it's, you could say a lot of people think he's been lucky with the outcome, mm. we'll have to wait and see, but certainly he's got an eye on the election, that's absolutely for certain, yeah. and, and that would have played a part in that decision. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and what about the FX markets, Gerry? Uh, yeah, interesting week in FX markets, I and mean, the thing that's grabbing the attention at the moment is um, sterling. Uh, there's a report in the uh, FT this morning um, that another monetary policy committee member, the MPC member, the, this is the committee that sets rates in the UK, uh, is now considering voting for a rate cut uh, in the UK, depending on how the economy has performed since the election. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all brewing up. And Mark Carney, after, I don't you recall last week, uh, he said that... Um, he would, have, he would take swift action to cut rates if growth looked to be slowing further. So you've got two members and then this other member, Silvana Tenreiro, he, he's also said he would look to cut rates. So that's three members now. And mm-hmm. I think that starts to look like it's, a possib- it's, it's become a probable cut rather than a possible cut. Yeah. I mean, certainly we saw um, a selling opportunity on the
0: 8th of January, just showing it on the screen now if you're you're watching this uh, podcast rather than just listening to it. And, you know, a nice move down. We're, what, um, you know, 100 points or so lower uh, than the signal back on the 8th. Um, We're going to talk, I'm going to talk a bit more about this uh, in the analysis section a bit later on. Um, But why? Okay, so let's just explain it again for the for the listeners, for the viewers. Why would this mean a, a fall in the the value
1: of the pound uh, if we're talking about a more likely cut in rates? Yeah, okay. So, so uh, foreign exchange rates, so that's the rate, obviously it's not just sterling, sterling against the dollar, sterling against the euro, sterling against the yen, whatever it might be. Uh, when there is uh, the possibility of a rate cut or a change in rates, it will affect the value of the currency because if you hold that currency and you're you're getting a lower return because the interest rate has been cut. So let's say you were getting one percent, they cut it to half percent. You're getting less for your money. So there's a less of a reason for people or investors, traders to hold sterling. And if anything, they will sell sterling and put it into a higher yielding currency. Yeah. So an interest in, an interest rate cut weakens the currency because of the uh, less, of a, less of a rate of return that you're yeah. going to get on your money. And The problem with currencies at the moment is that all the yields are really low. I mean, those when you and I grew up, Adrian, there'd be sometimes four or five percent between currency, uh, certain countries at interest Mm. rates. But now you're talking about it's real marginal, but it still has an effect. i I'm not sure how long this sell off is going to last on um, Sterling there.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about some of the support levels. We're actually quite close to one, uh, probably about 40, 50 pips away from the major level of support on Sterling. So let's say I'm going to talk about that a bit later. Um, uh, Okay, so um, commodity-wise,
1: obviously, some massive moves there. What about gold, uh, Joe? Gold, extraordinary. Uh, I mean, uh, on the week, uh, we're what, $11 higher, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. just a modest move on the week but the geopolitical events pushed gold so high i mean i, I just couldn't believe it now, remember this has come from what the beginning of december it's uh i don't know it's rallied sort of like eighty dollars ninety dollars or something so this it, to see it accelerate even further was extraordinary uh, but actually when they when the event happened on tuesday night wednesday morning over uh, the time trump had said no, everything's fine, we're not taking any action, that's the end of the matter, that's effectively what was said. Yep. Uh, gold came crashing back down again, so it yeah, hit 1611, I think we closed down on the lows of the day, and it's sort of been trending water since then. But sort of what you'd expect, geopolitical event that turned out not to be a geopolitical event, uh, so the de-escalation in the Iran-US situation resulted in a significant fall in, uh, back down in gold, which was, yeah... I think it looks a bit toppy. It's done so much in the last four weeks, anyway. So. Big uh, resistance level on the
0: weeklies. We just closed um, just
1: underneath it on Friday. I was at 15, and, uh, 1594
0: was the level. It? Oh, yeah, there's a big, 15.63 is quite a big pivot on the uh, the weeklies. We closed right. around 62.5. Um, so only really just, uh, but, you know, just is enough. And yeah. here we are getting a little bit lower today. So, uh, it, it, big level, big level. Yeah, and it's definitely certainly showing signs of rejection, for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, Right, so I think that's enough for uh, for last week. Let's have a quick look and see where we're at for uh, next week. Then, so um, what? Uh, so what don't we know yet? Uh, let's have a look then at okay. the calendar, uh, Jerry. Let's see what's uh, what's going to be piquing our interest uh, for the week ahead, shall we? Okay. Yep. Let me just bring the old uh, browser up, and we'll get the Forex Factory calendar there. So. Um, Is it worth a quick recap on last week? We had non-farm payroll last week, of course. Yeah, the
1: non-farm payroll, um, it looks like it was a poor number. Sure, they revised the previous one down, I think, 10,000 jobs, and we missed on... uh, uh, December's uh, jobs by another sort of seventeen thousand, but it's just not enough really to worry the markets. If it yeah. was a real bad number, um, I expected a weaker number anyway because it was such an outlier last month. I mean, two hundred sixty-six thousand or revised to fifty-six thousand. Yeah, that was about eighty thousand more than expected. So this is not a concern to the markets at all. So nothing really to upset the markets last week at all yeah uh, and you know all the seasonal trends at this time of year are very much coming into play which is normally very positive for equities so
0: really i mean overwhelmingly green numbers better yeah. than beating expectations apart from non, non-farm which was a bit did, little dislaughter mm, from the previous month so not, actually not bad a, a, lot, a, anything, a, a, really. a lot of good stuff yeah. okay what about uh, this coming week then so here we are 13th of jan mm.
1: um what what are the main things yeah, to be looking out a, for not a Hugely busy week again, actually, but we've got inflation data at both sides of the Atlantic. So we've got U.S. inflation data on Tuesday, uh, which remains fairly benign. We look at the core data, which is the one that excludes the sort of more volatile food components. But 0.2 percent, I think the Fed is probably hoping or praying that inflation will pick up. Yeah, because that's sort of what's needed there. Uh, Anyway, but with low inflation, it does mean that. you know, when the Fed wanted to cut rates, they could cut rates knowing that it wouldn't have any. It didn't matter about inflation. Uh, that said, you know, obviously the Federal Reserve are on hold now, so there won't be any rate changes for a, a couple of uh, meetings, if not more.
0: Let's just explain that relationship with inflation and interest rates, James, very quickly. Yeah.
1: So, um, uh, inflation. Uh, if inflation starts to tick up, uh, they have to put interest rates up to slow down the economy. So if inflation gets above a target area that the um, bank are targeting, uh, they will push interest rates up. It's a bit like a damper, so it's a bit like a break on the economy. Likewise, what we've just discussed regarding the UK, uh, if uh, the economy starts to slow down, and it's not just inflation that's the concern, but inflation is prices and price stability is the key mandate for all these central banks. But they do look at other stuff, especially in the US, look at, at, at employment. But um, there's just no inflation. It's extraordinary with such a tight labour market, with so many. Yeah. If, if you were, if you went back 30 years and explained what this market is like now, and asked someone to think, what would interest rates be? They'd tell you 10%. Yeah. They wouldn't believe it, would not, they? Not. Not. Absolutely. Not, wouldn't not record low rates in the likes of Europe and Japan, uh, with close to record low rates in the UK and rates tumbling in the US. It, it's an odd set of circumstances. And I think this is still a hangover from uh, the great financial crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One big thing uh, for this week, uh, we're going to be
0: talking about the US and China um, potentially signing first phase of their trade agreement.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's been talked about for so long, uh, talked about the actual signing, but also the whole negotiations had a rather sort of uh, bumpy way uh, throughout last year. And I, I think the markets are actually a little bit too comfortable with the idea that certainly that this first phase or what's called the preliminary uh, trade agreement that will be signed on wednesday so uh, that's 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 all that's a done deal yeah uh, and these trump has already announced that when this is signed off then phase two will begin and that's when the games and the threat of more tariffs you know the whole routine <laughs> that will start again Groundhog Day. Yeah, and I think, I think the market's a bit too confident. and Seems it, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just think they're, they're underplaying the risk that uh, the negotiations may well falter at some stage. But
0: not only that, but of course, once this is signed, people are then holding up because it's going to be signed, it's then signed, and then maybe there's no more good news <laughs> in, the, in the post. Well, that's, that's
1: interesting, yeah. So then you're now focusing on something you hope will be good news, but you're not sure. Yeah. But I think it's. You know, when Trump says, yeah, we've had our first chat, the second phase, and it hasn't gone particularly well, so I'm going to slap on these following <laughs> <time."> <laughs> Markets will swoon and then rebound. You know, it's that sort of gig, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, and then
0: um, do we pay much interest to the Chinese GDP Friday?
1: Uh, yeah it's still important but the problem with the, the data is that it's from the Chinese state uh, and if they say they've got a target of 6% they will deliver 6% even if that's, <laughs> even if that's number that, not the Ooh, number you it's, skeptic. it's yeah. not true but uh, yeah that's it uh, the, actually there's one thing we haven't mentioned as well is the um, CPI data uh, well we mentioned the 1.5% it yeah. is less a lot less than the target rate that's something we should have mentioned uh, in the UK it basically means There's no problem preventing the uh, monetary policy committee from um, uh, cutting rates in the uh, in the weeks to come. Target rates, what uh, two two percent? Two percent, yeah. 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 But it's well entrenched below two percent now, and I think since the election, I don't think the economic data in the UK has been particularly brilliant. And I know retailers, the whole shopping business has not had a good run-up to Christmas and beyond, and look at the results from the likes of John Lewis, it's it's a bit worrying, and I think that's the reason why a lot of these um, MPC members have come out and said that they contemplate cutting rates now, which mm. as we know is uh, weak and sterling. Uh, okay, any other highlights to discuss? Well, we've actually got that number coming out on Friday, which is the retail sales data from the UK, so uh, uh, plus 0.8%, wow, I... Don't know Uh, that's that's for December. I've got a feeling it will be less than that, but uh, uh, that's what the market consensus is plus 0.8%. But you think, reading between the lines with all the poor trading performances that have come out, I think I can't think it's going to be that brilliant.
0: Well, they clearly didn't have my wife doing their spending, (laughs) that's for sure, (laughs) nor mine. (laughs) Uh, Right, good, Uh, Jerry. That's great. Uh, Thanks very much for all of that. Okay. Okay, so in this week's defining trading, we're going to take a look at something called initial margin. Now, initial margin, when you're trading something called a derivative, uh, is the uh, margin that you require, the amount of money that is required on your account in order to be open a particular position. So, for example, a lot of people are more familiar perhaps with uh, buying a home. It could be that when you buy a home, you have to have, let's say, a 10% deposit in order to then get a mortgage, to then pay for the rest of the house. Do you see? In which case, your initial margin would be your 10%. That's the amount of deposit you've got to put up to be able to buy a house in the first place. Trading derivatives, spread bets, uh, CFDs, futures is similar in that regard. Packaged in a slightly different way, but your initial margin is the amount of money that's required on your account in order to open a position. Let's have a quick look at a particular broker's uh, platform. We've at markets.com. Have a look at some of the the leverage, the margins that are uh, available uh, there. Starting off with looking at the indices, you get various margin rates or various leverage uh, um, uh, uh, abilities depending on the market, which is really based on volatility, guys. OK, so the more volatile the market, generally, uh, the bigger the margin requirement it, there is. Because it's a riskier market, it's going to move faster uh, and so on. Potentially, the risk of a big move is greater, the more volatile the market, do you see? So in which case, the broker wants to cover itself. He wants to cover itself by asking for more of a deposit from traders, just in case something goes a little bit fast and goes a bit haywire. So, broadly speaking, in terms of your initial margin, what you're looking for is a percentage of the notional value of the trade. For example, with an index, you're typically looking at around a 5%, so what 20 to 1 um, leverage there on a lot of the major indices that one might trade. So, uh, for example, uh, if we looked at the UK 100 uh, there, that's a margin of 1 to 20. Um, so if you've got a pound on your account, you can buy 20 pounds worth of FTSE. That's a 5% uh, margin requirement, basically. Uh, so in other words, you take the price of FTSE, let's say it's at 7,500, so 7,500, so ease of reference, divide that by 20, and then that will give you the margin requirement for that trade. Or times it by 0.05, which is all 5%, which gives you the amount of margin that's required in order to open that trade in the first place. We'll talk about maintenance margin in future sessions, but effectively that's what's required to open that transaction in the first place. 20 to 1, 5%, same basic thing. FX is different. You know, again, brokers can kind of charge what they want subject to uh, ESMO and their regulators rules. Uh, but again, with foreign exchange, uh, you've got a bit more money you're allowed uh, to, to leverage uh, with that one. So the margin requirement in percentage terms is less. That's again down to volatility. FX generally moves more slowly than stock indices okay uh, so uh, 30 to 1 that's around 3.3% margin is required so you can take the price of euro dollar times it by 0.033 and that's the amount of money that will be required in order for you to open that uh, a pound a point uh, transaction on there okay so that uh, 0.033 so 3.3% of the notional uh, value of, uh, of of the transaction, basically there pound again, uh, thirty to one, three point three percent margin. Um, similarly, you can look at equities or stocks. They tend to have around a twenty percent margin requirement, so five to one. So if you have two thousand pounds on your account, that's the twenty percent margin. You can then buy uh, ten thousand pounds worth of stock. Do you see? So again, just like the, the house analogy, if you want to buy 100 grand's worth of house and you've got a 10 percent deposit requirement, that's the same thing. That's 10 to 1 stocks, 20 to 1 uh, there. Uh, commodities. Commodities vary a little bit often uh, for markets like uh, sort of gold. Um, you're looking at so 20 to 1. Sometimes they're 10 to 1. It varies a little bit depending on A, the broker and depending on uh, the um the region uh, you're in and also the volatility of that particular uh, instrument there. OK, um, good. Well, Hopefully that's helpful. And by the way, if there are certain terminologies that you would like explained uh, in our defining trading section, please make sure you send them through. So uh, send them through to info at trend-signal.com and then put podcast in the subject line and any other questions you might want us to go through for any material you want us to cover. These are ultimately your sessions and they are for your benefit. So please do send those requests through. Uh, that's great. Thank you very much for your help uh, with all of that, Jerry. That's great. We'll look forward to catching up again next week. Um, this section, though, what should we be trading? Um, in this section, I'm going to give a run through some of the key markets, some of the live charts and what's looking right, what's interesting, what's hitting key levels um, worth trading at the moment. So uh, let me just bring my charts up and we'll have a quick look through some of the opportunities there. Let me just bring up uh, a chart. First of all, we're going to take a look at gold, which... Uh, Really has been, as we discussed with Jerry earlier, been uh, quite a big move. In fact, since that buy signal back at the uh, beginning of December, Um, really a massive move up there, well over uh, a thousand points or so. Good, good hundred, hundred and thirty dollars rally since. Uh, Then uh, Come back a little bit here. So what are we thinking? Well, we talked about resistance last week. We talked about a major resistance level. Just tighten up the weekly chart a little bit. And then we can start to bring in some of the resistance levels. This is what I was talking about last week. Because if you're watching the the screen here, you can see around that sort of uh, 1563 level there. A couple of pivot points from that major level of support. That support arguably now turning into resistance back from 2012. We're hitting back to those numbers there. Hit support here off that number there, 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 a number of times back in 2012, 2013, here we are nudging that number just shy of it um, of the, uh, uh, towards the latter part of 19, and here we are uh, again here going higher, but then closing back just to, just below it, and that's important. Does it get above? A bit like that game Whack-A-Mole. Does it get its head above and then is it whacked back down? Here we close below that 1563 level, around 1562 and a half, something like that. I think we closed at there on the weekly. Uh, now uh, we've come off again today. So I think that that's a pretty crucial level uh, from there. So we're pausing at the moment, uh, really, and looking for short trades off this level um, if uh, we can see that. So what we're going to do is quick look at the daily chart. It's starting to look like a potential sell trade with very overbought on the trend line above that uh, magic 75 number there. That's going to start to, That's turning down already price this line that kind of cuts through the candlesticks that solid green that's going to start to turn red potentially uh, the longer prices remain below this green line it's gonna turn it red and we're going to be looking out for sniper signals as well with the right type of reversal pattern that big fibonacci pivot there coming in 1581 so we're starting to build the hallmarks of a potential uh, sell trade uh, what does it mean from there well do we expect a massive move down well look the longer term trend is up yes we at the top of the natural trading range but actually um, as far as target's concerned, we're looking around that sort of 1509. So if we do come off, we're looking around 1509 for the market to certainly start to pause. That's the resistance back from at the beginning of November uh, last year. So let's we're talking a few chess moves ahead, but keep up an eye out for your sell trades. I wouldn't necessarily expect a massive fall, uh, though, on gold. Probably a few chess moves ahead down to here and then probably finding support maybe with a view to Uh, uh, rejoining that longer term uh, uptrend. Uh, Looking through then to uh, FTSE, uh, been interesting uh, really with the FTSE uh, there it continues to be flattered around that sort of 7600 level 7695 on the monthly is a major level we can see that number there uh, back from a sort of mid 18 uh, there we're hitting that number um, uh, a couple of times in the past we're a little bit away from it at the moment on that as as I said as we as we're pausing uh, on the market there so what are we looking for here we're looking for a couple of bits There's around 7800 on the weekly, 76.95 on the monthly. In terms of um, this congestion here, those are the numbers to be looking for for the upside. On the downside, we'd be looking for this break below uh, this sort of number here, that's 75, around 75.23. If we can see ourselves breaking below that level, I would expect us to move relatively quickly down to this level of support here because often what you're going to find is if people are buying up here, their stop loss is going to be below these lows at around 75.23 on the FTSE cash. What that would mean is stops will be uh, taken out, market would gather speed and we should then move to around that sort of resistance level back from uh, November uh, last year. That may well form into uh, support for that first target there, a break of that level could see us down to that sort of 72 uh, 20 uh, 71 65, uh, level as well so keep an eye out for those levels too uh, on the FTSE there so at the moment congested so look for breaks above 7700 to take us to further highs or look for breaks below 7523 to take us down to that sort of 7420 uh, level as for the pound, we talked about this earlier with Jerry. We looked at the way in which price is coming off. The pound coming off there as we start to talk about those MPC uh, voters, starting so to a little bit more of a vote, a little more of an appetite uh, for rate uh, cuts, hence the uh, fall there. Now, what about the longer term? Um, it's hard to go past, really, the support levels we've got from around this sort of level there. So that's sort of 129 Uh, 40 level um, there 129.50. that looks good for support couple of pivots at around that level congestion of pivot points really does tend to lead to stronger support levels what we'll be looking for just like we found the test there is from there looking for new moves uh, back to the upside there so will we get a sniper buy will we get a continuation buy we'll have to see as it comes uh, through but certainly Looking for that retest uh, down to that sort of 129.20 level, and we'll see where we go really from there, guys. So those are the major markets we're going to look at for this week. That's gold, footsie, and the pound. Okay, so that's pretty much it for this week's podcast, everybody. Hopefully, you found it a really useful session. We've been talking about the markets, what to look out for, lots of analysis in there, and also boosting your trading education as well. But it doesn't have to stop with this podcast. What you can do is tune in to one of our live trading events. And in these events, we actually teach you our favorite trading strategies. And you can find out more about booking a free place and reserving a free place in one of these live events by going to our rather strangely named uh, URL, BIT. Sorry, B-I-T dot lee so bit.ly slash learn ts okay B-I-T dot bit.ly bit.ly slash learn TS, and then you can come along book in for a free place in one of our live events we're doing four live trading events every week now where you can tune in we'll teach you a strategy we'll apply it to current markets and you're going to learn a lot of great stuff about the trading as well so i'll be trading fx indices commodities and all sorts of other great stuff in there as well so make sure you get yourself booked in for one of our upcoming events please guys remember that link again bit.ly learnts Otherwise, uh, how can you access the Trend Signal podcast? You can do this in a number of ways. Everybody, we do this weekly on Mondays. You can um, uh, listen to the live cast uh, by registering on our site, which is trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. A bit convoluted, isn't it? We need a shorter link for that one, I think. Let me say that one more time. Trend-signal.com slash trendsignal-blog. Or you can... Look for or search for the Trends podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and YouTube. Uh, otherwise, guys, have a great week's trading and we look forward to tuning in for the same this time next week. All the best and bye bye for now.